Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. Second challenge, the Word of God. Only in the footsteps of God will he proceed. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade right now. Okay, three of you. That's great. (laughs) Tonight, we're talking about one of my favorite things. We're talking about faith, and faith so often can feel like this one scene where he stepped on the first letter wrong and just fell straight through. Faith can sometimes feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to try this thing, and then it feels like it epically fails. Sometimes faith feels like they're at the very end of the uh, clip there with your foot out, like, what in the world am I doing? What's going to happen? We don't know. And that's one of the main components of faith, is faith is... uh, Because you have faith, it means that there's not certainty. And uh, 
and so faith, as this uh, life of faith leads us on um, into doing life with Jesus, what does it look like to live a life of faith? Often it can feel really unsettling or unsure. Faith can feel like falling. Faith can feel like I have a lot of doubt of what in the world is ahead of me that I'm going into. And so I wonder for you, what has faith felt like lately? And maybe that's particularly faith in God, or maybe that's faith in a person. Tonight we're going to be talking about more faith in God, but I encourage you overall just to be thinking about this concept of where you're placing your faith and what you're being led into. But before we do that, we have a couple of housekeeping things that we have to do. I have to tell you a huge thank you to all of you who helped with Vacation Bible School and Taste of Hope. It was a complete blast. Um, Isaac, what was your skit character's name? Butch classicy. It was like a Western theme. And then Jacob was Cowboy Elvis. And I'm always Insta Jamie because I'm obsessed with Instagram, which I am typecast, obviously. <laughs> um, we had a ton of kids. Here's Finch up in this top wearing his white t-shirt and his cape. Um, he's bringing some peanut butter for the service project. These VBS kids like kind of have showed the adults how it's done in terms of their generosity and bringing food items to donate to local food pantries. They like filled our atrium walk-in area with a ton of boxes of food. It was really incredible. Um, it's just a great time. And I had to show you this top left picture of my four-year-old goddaughter. Uh, she went down to uh, Vacation Bible School at one of our other campuses. Her mom and dad said that drop-off was a, a, a difficult thing, but clearly she was having herself a grand time. I cannot get over the look of joy on her face. The thing that I love about Vacation Bible School is it's a lot of fun for the adults. It's a lot of fun for the volunteers, but the kids just get to have a blast learning about God's love for them, feeling uh, safe and in a really fun environment. And the look on Margot's face, I think, says it all. So a huge, huge thank you to those of you who helped with Vacation Bible School. And also a huge thank you to those of you who are Taste of Hope. It was 35,000 degrees outside, and we all sweated for Jesus and <laughs> did it together. And it was really, really phenomenal. It takes literally thousands of volunteers to host the over 8,000 kids that we had here for Vacation Bible School across all of our campuses and over 10,000 people for Taste of Hope. That doesn't happen without the people like you who came and put on your shirts day after day or your blue Taste of Hope shirt and just sweated right through it. So I just wanted to tell you a huge thank you. I'm just so thankful for all of you. Can we praise God for all the volunteers and the kids? Yes, really, really incredible. And then the second piece of housekeeping is that I am really excited to tell you a little bit more about what is happening on September 1st. Are you excited? Are you ready? Are you hyped? I am. I am out of my mind excited about this. This is something that we've been thinking about for a long time. We've attempted to do things like this before, but this time it's actually happening. We are going to have with all revives, Revive in the City, downtown at Cowles Commons on Thursday, September 1st. Come kick off your Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, wow. Uh, that's too far, that's too far in advance. You're, that is a different holiday. Your Labor Day weekend with us at Revive. Come at 6 p.m. for some food and fun. More details coming about that soon. And then at seven o'clock, still our normal Thursday, 7 p.m. time, we're gonna do outdoor worship. I cannot tell you how excited I am. So when Emily had you put this on your calendar events. Now you know what you're putting in there. This is going to be the sort of thing that if you miss it, you're going to like wish that you hadn't. And so I really encourage you to come to bring friends. We have some postcards in the back that you can take. Feel free to take one or five or 30. I don't know. I think we printed 500 for Taste of Hope and they all want to get gone to the people's homes that you know. So feel free to take a postcard and use it as an invitation to invite friends or coworkers or whatever. It's going to be a blast. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm so excited. 
So more details to come, but that is the like structure of what is happening on September 1st. And I'm just, I'm beside myself with excitement. So we are in the last week of a sermon series that we've been doing all summer, but it fits in underneath our year-long series that we've been doing here at Hope called God and Us in Real Life. I really wanted to do a summer series excuse me, that really fit in with this idea of God and us in real life. Like when our rhythms get thrown a little bit out of whack um, during summer because we're chasing fun, we're chasing the sun, our, our, uh, our calendars and schedules look a little bit different with travel plans. What does it look like for us to walk in step with Jesus and to feel God's presence in our lives when our rhythms are different? I know for so many of us, you might have a rhythm that you do that kind of guides you into meditating or praying or reading scripture or spending some time with God or having some quiet time or maybe you do that sort of thing on a walk or on the treadmill, whatever. And summer can just change some of those. So in the course of summer, what does it look like for us to encounter the Spirit of God in real life? Not only the, the ways that God shows up in our lives that make the headlines. Like, I know this is really funny to say in church, but I always think about, like, we like to chase the sexy ways that God shows up. <laughs> like, the things that make headlines. Like, oh my gosh, there was this mind-boggling thing that happened over here, and this was really incredible, and God obviously showed up because no human could accomplish this thing, a healing or something miraculous, a sign or a wonder, whatever. But are those the only ways that God shows up? The answer by far is no, God shows up in real life and the everyday, but what does that look like for all of us, particularly when our rhythms are different? And so we've been looking at uh, this idea of when the spirit appears. And it's not just about the summer, it's not just about schedules and calendars being different, it's also about the fact that we live in a world that becomes ever more polarized. I don't know about you, sometimes when I think we are just as polarized as we could possibly be, some new piece of news breaks and we become even more polarized. There's one more thing for us to be divided about. There's one more thing for us uh, to politicize or to take sides against rather than caring for the people who are actually being hurt by this sort of thing that's happening. So what does it look like for us as people who are trying to follow Jesus in the best that we possibly can to pay attention to where the Spirit is showing up and guiding us in ways that our, um, that our world is, is trying to to get us to pay attention to everything else. Like where does your truth come from? Where does your sense of authority come from? Who guides you in times of crisis and where do you turn when you don't know what to do? And so we're gonna be talking about the spirit of God because we turn to the way of Jesus. Jesus says in scriptures to his disciples, he says, you will be known by my love. People will know, like the world around you will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says, because of your love. So often, as a church person, I'm willing to just say this, I think a lot of us know this, the church isn't really rocking that all the time. We don't always do a really great job of saying or showing to the world that we are with Jesus because of how well we love. So what does it look like when the Spirit appears? Well, the Spirit appears and brings us really good things, and one of those things is love. So what does it look like to walk with Jesus and to do that? Who enables us to love and how do we get there? Well, so I wanted to, at the end of this series, do a little bit of like kind of housekeeping before we dive into the specific theme of this evening. I will tell you this, I was thinking about this message uh, before tonight. It feels kind of sprawling. How many of you have ever driven or been in a manual transmission vehicle? Yes, okay, so a lot of you. I grew up in a vehicle, well, I didn't grow up in a vehicle. <laughs> 
Um, I could have. I did not. I did not grow, grow up in a vehicle, but I grew up in a house where my mom had a manual car. She had this tiny little, like, Mazda, like, three-seater vehicle that somehow all five of us would pack into. And so I became very accustomed to getting on. We grew up in Nevada, Iowa. We were going to Ames, Iowa all the time. You have to drive on Highway 30 to get to Ames, and that requires getting up to 60, 65, whatever mile per hour it was at the day. Um, uh, at that point in time. And so I was very accustomed to my mom's vehicle um, manually changing those gears all the way up to 65 whatever miles per hour and getting to Ames. This message kind of feels like we're doing this gear, and then as soon as we acclimate to that speed, we're switching gears and getting over here, and as soon as we acclimate to that speed, we're switching over here and getting into this gear. And I think you'll feel that, but if it feels disjointed, I'm sorry. Maybe you can just like allow yourself to feel rocked a little bit and then propelled forward <laughs> by the speed with which we are moving tonight. Um, so when God's spirit appears, well, I just, I just said it. But when the spirit appears, what spirit are we talking about? Am I talking to you about a friendly spirit like Casper the friendly ghost? Like what is the spirit that we're talking about? I grew up in a church that instead of saying Holy Spirit, we said Holy Ghost. And there were enough times that I wondered like, who is the Holy Ghost? And is there a ghost that's somehow more holy than the other ones? Uh, I, don't, I don't really know. And so I'm so thankful that people taught me about the Holy Spirit and for so many churches that changed their language to be a little bit more clear. But what is this spirit that we're talking about? It's not Casper, spoiler alert, it's not Casper the friendly ghost, but what is this spirit that we're talking about? Jesus tells us what the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is all throughout the New Testament, but generally uses synonyms or um, word pictures to describe what this spirit is because you can't see the spirit. You can't touch the spirit. God's spirit isn't a person that walked among us like Jesus, but the similarities are many. So Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 16, at the very end of his life on earth, Jesus says, if I don't leave this, and then there's a word here that in this version gets translated advocate, but this word that gets translated advocate could also have like 10 different meanings or words. It could also mean comforter. It can mean guide. So this comforter, advocate, guide, if I don't leave, this being won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. One of my favorite pieces um, of like information about all of this is that in the Greek language, it's not a he, it's an it. It's gender neutral. God's spirit is not gendered. It is above and beyond and within gender, uh, which I think is beautiful, but here it's translated he. Um, and then earlier in John chapter three, when Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus describes this spirit like wind. Like you can't see the wind. You can't ever see what the wind is um, where the wind is, but you can see what the wind does. You can see where the wind blows and you can see the effect that it has. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, the Holy Spirit is like wind and it gives birth to spiritual life. So this Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that lives now, that is the Spirit of God the Father, that is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, um, and that together the three of them exist as a mysterious one, one God, yet in three persons. And so this is the living and active spirit of God now today that, uh, that works to, tr to transform all of us. The spirit of God works to transform you, works to transform me. And this spirit doesn't do anything other than to transform and change us more into the likeness of Jesus Christ so that we become 
more of who Jesus is, we become more loving, we become more compassionate, we become more patient, we become more peaceful. Christianity isn't about how much you know. As many um, of us have heard and as many people may tell you, Christianity isn't about right belief or right voting or right perspective. It's not about um, how much of this book you know. This is really important. It's really important that you know this book, but Christianity and Christians aren't defined by that. Christians are defined by how similar to Jesus you are becoming. And so when God's spirit lives among us and, and the spirit of Jesus breathes in us, then there's fruit that happens there. And that this is called the fruit of the spirit. And many of you will have picked up on this throughout this entire series. We've been looking at this series about the fruit of the spirit. I didn't want to call it the fruit of the spirit because so many of us, myself included, maybe I'm just checking myself here, kind of check out a little bit when you hear the fruit of the spirit, like I know what that is. Well, let's look at the fruit of the spirit a little bit differently. What happens when God's spirit shows up? This fruit happens. So what is the fruit of the spirit? Does it grow on trees? Well, the fruit of the spirit are things like, we've been looking at these for the last couple months. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience. I could always use more of that. Kindness, goodness. Tonight we're talking about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the thing about these is that all of these are really good. There's nothing on this list that I don't need more of in my life. I need all of these things in an ever-increasing amount. And so when I think about the Spirit of God appearing in my life, I don't think about how much I know. I don't think about how much of Scripture I know. Generally, when the Spirit of God shows up, it produces things in my life that come out in story form. They come out in, man... I was more patient with my coworker that really annoys me today, and I don't really know why, but it just happened. Me and that person cut me off in traffic, and I didn't feel like my life was going to end because I was so impatient and had a lot of words coming out of my mouth that I shouldn't say in church. <laughs> I feel more joy when I shouldn't feel more joy. The Spirit of God shows up in all of these ways. Jesus talks about this um, when he talks about um, well, on the last night of Jesus' life, he talks about this with a really beautiful analogy. Jesus says to his disciples, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant and separated. You cannot produce a thing. And then uh, in, in that later, later in that same chapter, Jesus says, remember, I chose you. And I put you in this world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. But remember the root of this commandment is to love one another. It's to love one another. Uh, one of the stories that when I think about all of this that I come back to is a story that I never tell to try to toot my own horn. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just being me. Um, and that's, I think, one of the ways that you know that this is the, the sort of spirit of God sort of thing. Some of you have heard this story before. When I was a senior in high school, uh, we went on a mission trip with my youth group to um, Illinois somewhere, and we were painting houses. In retrospect, now I'm not quite sure that painting a house was the thing that was really going to, like, save the world, but that was the thing that we were assigned to do. And so it was my youth group. It was youth groups from 
um, all across the country, and all of these kids from all of these different youth groups were put on teams and split up, like two kids from this youth group, two kids from that youth group, so on and so forth. And so I was on this team with this gal named Hillary. I couldn't even tell you where she was from. And all throughout the week, I was painting on one side of the house, she was painting on another side of the house, and uh, whenever we would cross paths to like refill our paint bucket or something like that, I would just smile at her, be myself, whatever. And at the end of the week, um, the last like full night of this trip, she pulled myself and some of my youth group friends aside that were on our uh, painting site with us, and she had tears streaming down her face, and she said, I have to tell you this thing. And often the last night of summer camp is like a very emotional sort of thing. This was no different. I see a lot of you nodding your heads. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. And so she's got tears streaming down her face, and she's very emotional, and she says, I just need you to know um, that I have really been depressed a lot over the course of my life, and I've tried to commit suicide several times, and I never really quite went through it but I had made a plan before I went on this trip that I knew what I was gonna do when I got home and I was gonna end all this. And my little like 18 year old heart is beating out of my chest. I don't have any training at this point in time for what to do when somebody says something like that to me. So I'm just looking at her like eyes as big as saucers. And she says, but because of how you treated me this week, because of the way that you smiled at me, because of the way that you were kind, I realized that when I go home, I'm not gonna do that and I am going to live because I realize that my life has meaning. So now I am sobbing, I am floored because all I did was be myself, all I did was be nice, look her in the eyes, greet her with a smile, hi, how's your day? And that's the thing about fruit, is that fruit trees don't try to squeeze out fruit. Like fruit trees don't just wake up in the morning like, oh, the sun is here, the birds are resting in my branches, it's time to produce fruit. Mm. <laughs> or whatever else you might try to do to squeeze things out. And like that's not how fruit grows. That's not how it works, right? The fruit of the spirit is the exact same way. When you are connected to Jesus, <laughs> fruit squeezes itself out. <laughs> when you are connected to Jesus, this automatically happens. Jesus says, remember, I chose you. I chose you. I know you. Yes, I know all of the things that you say to yourself in the mirror. Yes, I know all of the things that you think about yourself that I don't think about you, but I know what you think about you. Remember, I chose you, me, Jesus says, Jesus says, I am perfect, not in this, I am ad-libbing here for Jesus, which is a dangerous thing to do. But Jesus says, I know you, I know who you are, and still, I chose you. Jesus is talking here to a bunch of hooligans. Some of them are known as the sons of thunder. Some of them are zealots. Some of them have been Roman tax collectors who sold out their um, Israelite people and have been collecting taxes from the Israelite people for the Roman government, which is a very touchy place to be. Jesus is saying to this motley crew, I choose you. I chose you. Remember that. And I put you into the world to bear fruit. And it's not fruit that's going to spoil. But remember this root commandment. It's love. And so you don't grow this fruit by trying. If you have at any point in time picked up in this series that I just need to to try to be more loving and that way I'll be more loving. I just need to try to be more. Who has ever tried to be more peaceful and actually accomplished being more peaceful? Man, if I try to be peaceful, I end up more anxious, which just feels like it just shoots the whole thing in its foot. You don't grow any of these fruits of the spirit by trying. 
It's all a natural byproduct of walking with Jesus, of staying connected to Jesus. And let me tell you, Jesus will transform you. Jesus will grow these things in your life. It uh, reminds me of a really terrible looking plant that has been on my patio all winter and spring. I was gonna go look at the date that I took this picture. This picture was taken like less than a month ago. It is just a pot of dead weeds, well, dead plants from last year and the little green things that were sprouting up. I put this pot to like hold down some boxes that needed recycling overnight so that they wouldn't blow away. Like I don't have a ton of care invested in this pot. I'd planted things in it the previous year last summer and there's like, it's just whatever. And so finally, several weeks ago, I was like, Jamie, you gotta get your poop in a group and you gotta like figure out this whole plant pot thing on your patio. Like I have one or two plant pots that are really nice. I like invested in those, uh, put some flowers and stuff in them this summer and have just been like lazy about these uh, because it's hot in Iowa in the summer and I didn't have energy to water all of my pots last summer. And so anyway, this is TMI, I'm, I digress. So I looked at this pot and I realized, well, this one here in the front is a weed and the things that are dead, uh, are like the old remnants from last year. But actually the other things kind of on the back of this photo have re-sprouted from last year. They're still there, they're still growing. And so I got some fresh dirt and I repotted all of these so that they actually like, I think they look quite nice. And this one is actually, I forgot to water it for the last two days, so don't look very closely. This snapdragon is producing a little pink flower and there's some little buds right there. But what happens is that, that this is a beautiful analogy for what God's Spirit does when it moves in your life. That God's Spirit produces stuff that you don't even have to try to produce. I had not watered this. I had not cared for this in any way. This was old dirt. This is old stuff. But also look what, like I don't mean to over-spiritualize, but like look what God did in how God created these plants, that they will re-sprout, they will continue to grow, and with a little bit of care, will become something that's actually not terrible to look at. <laughs> and so um, the fruit that we're talking about is like these plants, and you are the pot. You are this clay thing that might have cracks in it, that has a hole in the bottom that just drains stuff right out of it. If, uh, if you're like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna move on from that. Um, God's spirit is the rain and the sun. And so I encourage you, you do have a tiny bit of, I don't wanna say responsibility in all of this, it's not just that it's only God, but if you are a plant pot, are you putting yourself in the way of sunshine lately? Are you putting yourself in the way of rain? Are you putting yourself in situations where God's spirit can bring you to life? Are you putting yourself in places where you have opportunities to grow? There are 52 Thursdays a year, and I am always so incredibly grateful that you are here, whether you're here in this room, whether you're tuning in on the live stream, whether you watch later, but there are only 52 revives a year. And how many other days of the year are there? How many other opportunities do you have outside of this hour, 15 minutes on a Thursday night to put your plant pot in the place where God's stuff can bring you to life? The way that this analogy breaks down though is that I also brought another little plant pot um, I don't really know if you can see this very well, but there's like a very tiny plant in here. There's a very funny story about this. My sister went to a wedding. 
Oh, I was going to tell you, I wasn't going to tell you it was my sister. Sorry, this is out on the internet now. Um, my sister went to a wedding a year or two ago and <laughs> stole one of the fake succulents that was on <laughs> the reception tables and brought it home and then gave it to me. I think I was sick at the time or something. She's like, here, here's a fake succulent. And I was like, okay, cool. So I like stuck it in a corner and didn't look at it for a year. And uh, a year later, I was cleaning out some stuff, and I looked, and this was not a fake succulent, let me tell you. And it had actually grown five inches <laughs> in the dark with no rain, no water, no light, no nothing. So uh, when I repotted it, this top fell off, and I gave the bottom part back to my sister to spite her for spiting her friend. <laughs> and I kept this little top, and this lives uh, in a place where it doesn't really get a ton of light, and it doesn't really get a ton of water. I do give it light at times. I do let it out on a leash, you know, like it gets the things that it needs. It gets a little bit of water here and there. But, but it's not that, like God has designed things to grow even when we are not in positions where we can grow. So I also tell you the story of this plant to encourage you, like God will still move regardless of what you do. God will still grow things in you no matter how much you feel like you've messed stuff up, no matter how much you feel like you've like bunny trailed down a weird path in your life that you're like, man, this is ending up very differently than I thought it was going to. God's faithfulness to you is not limited by your actions. So scripture decides, not decides, describes God this way um, all throughout scripture, that God is compassionate and gracious, that God is slow to anger and overflowing in loyal love and in faithfulness. And scripture describes God this way because this is how God introduced God's self to Moses in the burning bush situation. And faithfulness here comes last, which in the Hebrew language, at least in this sense, means that it like encapsulates all that comes before. That yes, God is compassionate, and yes, God is gracious, and yes, God is slow to anger. Yes, God is overflowing with love. And in these ways, in showing up in all of these ways endlessly, this is how God is faithful to God's people. The word for faithfulness is emet. Everybody say emet. I kind of wonder if the word Emmet or the name Emmet comes from this. If it does, I think that'd be really cool. This same word Emmet is used very curiously in scripture. Um, it's not always used to describe God. It is described to Moses, to, when God was telling Moses, appoint leaders. God said, appoint leaders who are Emmet. Appoint leaders who are faithful. Appoint leaders who are honest. Appoint leaders who are full of integrity. Appoint leaders who are who are faithful and who are steady and who are like a rock. There's this incredible story in the Old Testament where God had told the Hebrew people to go to battle against the Amalekites and that Moses needed to stand above the battle and hold his staff over his head. And whenever the staff was being held over Moses' head, they would win. If the staff would ever um, come down because his, his arms got tired, things would not go well for the Hebrew people. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I don't know about you, but even in like opening worship, which opening worship was straight fire. Thank you, worship team. That was incredible. Uh, but even like if I'm worship, yes, praise God for our worship team. That's incredible. I don't know about you. Like I love to worship hands in the air, armpits out, don't care. Uh, but even my arms get tired. And so I'm like, okay, I'm worshiping. I'm still worshiping you, God, but my arms are really tired. It's down here. Uh, um, Moses' arms could... Uh, Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur, his pals, 
found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady, his hands emet, until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of the Amalekites in battle. So steadiness and faithfulness are not just used to describe God, it's used in other human ways so that we can have a picture of understanding how this is that God is faithful to us. Uh, I was gonna tell some stories here, but I'm gonna skip that. Uh, for the love, for the Lord is good, the psalmist says. His unfailing love continues forever and God's faithfulness continues to every generation. So now we're shifting into this last gear here about faithfulness, which is the fruit that I wanna just look at briefly tonight before we wrap up this entire series. Faithfulness is a word you generally know what it means, right? Like all of these explanations or synonyms are well known in our vocabulary. Faithfulness means holding steady. Faithfulness means loyalty. Faithfulness means being devoted, being resolute, being honest, being punctual, standing fast. But before we talk about faithfulness, one of the things we have to come back to is a root of this word, which is faith. And there's this huge myth that we have, not only in our culture, but also, dare I say, in our church cultures, that somehow I muster up my faith in God, that somehow I can just squeeze out a little bit more faith and somehow God will be more excited about what I'm bringing to the table. But that's actually, that could not be the, farther, the farthest thing from the truth. In the scripture reading that we read um, earlier tonight from Ephesians, Paul writes, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For God raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Um, if you've been around churches for a while, these, this may be a, a familiar passage for you, but so often... We get this through faith part a little bit mixed up. For God's grace comes to us and saves us through, through faith. That if we have this thing that we bring to the table, then God meets us with grace. But theologically, that is terrible. It's not that God comes to us because we have enough faith. It's not that God's grace meets us with, oh, you actually decided to have faith in me. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm gonna save you. That, that would be really nice, but that's not the arrangement. God's gift is grace to you and to me, but God's gift is also faith. That faith is a gift. The faith that you and I have is a gift from God. It's not a work. It doesn't earn you any of God's favor. Faith, your faith doesn't earn God's favor. There's nothing that you could do to bring to the table that would make God love you more, interact with you more, want to love on you or serve you more. And so when we're talking about faithfulness, we have to get straight our definition of faith, that it is simply being loved. Your condition, my condition, is simply being loved by God. God's faithfulness to humanity is the same faithfulness that God grows in you and me as we walk with Jesus. So when it comes to faith, the faith that God has in you and me 
is the faith that sprouts in our life when God's spirit grows in us. You can trust this God who's been faithful to God's people for centuries. So uh, Indiana Jones had this task at hand. Indiana Jones, uh, this is in the Last Crusade movie. He's been trying to get to the Holy Grail. There's a lot of faith metaphors in this movie that are really fascinating. Um, As a theology nerd, I'm always intrigued when uh, faith metaphors come into play. Sometimes they're really cool, sometimes they're not. This one is a really interesting blend of a lot of things. I'm gonna show you what happens um, when Indiana Jones puts his foot out, and if you've seen the movie, which you've had like 30 million years to see it. uh, So if you feel mad, you've had, this movie came out in 1989. That was like older than many of you who were in this room uh, have been alive. Anyway, so, Indiana Jones has this interesting task at hand to step out in faith and to see what happens. And as you think about stepping out in faith, when you think about how God's spirit is growing faithfulness in you, I invite you to see how in this clip, faith isn't something that Indiana Jones grows. It might kind of look like maybe he's like summoning it, but I like to think about it like he's just centering himself. He is remembering, as I'm inviting all of us to, and that God invites us to, to remember that we don't have to do anything to earn any of these gifts from God. We don't have to do anything. Like, they're already, they're already present to you. They've already been given to you. God's Spirit has already given you everything you need because remember, Jesus says, I chose you. I chose you. I've given you the things that you need. And so take a look and see how this clip from Indiana Jones can bring all this to life for all of us. Impossible. Nobody can jump this. Ah! Indy! And you must hurry! Come quickly! It's a leap of faith. My mind was blown when I saw this movie as a teenager. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. (laughs) The thing about faith and faithfulness is that God is faithful to you and to me in the same way that God has been faithful to the messed up people that we see all throughout scripture and all throughout the timeline of history. God has never hit the eject button. God has never walked out. 
no matter what consequences are natural that come from the screw-ups that we have, God is still faithful, even when the people of God throughout history, throughout scripture, have said, screw you, God, we're gonna do it our own way. Can I say screw? I did. <laughs> screw it, God, we're gonna do our own thing, where you're gonna try your own way. And all of scripture is this cycle of being in good standing with God, in good relationship, in union with God, realizing we wanna to try to do it our own way, realizing after a while that doesn't work, coming back to God and saying, okay, let's do this again. And then this whole thing just like, the cycle just continues and continues, continues all throughout scripture. God made promises to Adam and Eve. God made promises to Noah. God made promises to Abraham and Sarah. God made promises to all of the family that came from Abraham and Sarah that he was never going to leave. And even time after time after time when the people of God hit the eject button, God held true to God's promises and brought forth this King David. Even when David messed up, God said, I'm going to bring a savior through this line of David, this incredible human who messed up so terribly. And that's why the whole New Testament and the book of Matthew opens with a genealogy. If you're like, cool, I'm gonna read the story of Jesus. It's the most exciting thing in scripture. I'm gonna go to the book of Matthew, flip to chapter one and be very excited to read. And then you see a list of 30 names. So many times, even me, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> like I, I was looking for action and a list of names that I can barely pronounce is not where it's at. But what Matthew is doing is saying, look at the faithfulness of what God was doing. God's promise to Abraham through David is now coming true in the gift of Jesus Christ. God made flesh, God come to earth for you and for me in love so that we wouldn't be separated from God. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, because we know that this extraordinary day is just ahead, which pause there, I feel like there are extraordinary days ahead. Paul was referring to different extraordinary days, but the thing about God's word is that it's living and it's active and it means new things for us all the time. I think that there are continuing to be extraordinary days ahead. Because we know that this extraordinary day is just ahead, Paul says we pray for you all the time, this church in Thessaloniki, we pray that our God will make you fit for what he's called you to be. Pray that he'll fill your good ideas and your acts of faith with God's own energy. It's not you trying to like make this thing happen on your own. <clears throat> so that it all amounts to something. If your life honors the name of Jesus, he will honor you. Grace is behind and through all of this, our God giving himself freely, the master Jesus Christ giving himself freely. So what Jesus is saying and what I hope you leave this sermon series with is remain with Jesus. It doesn't even matter if you water it all the time. <clears throat> Things go better for the plants if you water it, but Jesus can work with a lack of water. Remain with Jesus and fruit appears. Faith is a gift. It's not something that we bring to the table. Faith is a gift from God to us so that we don't have to try to do it on our own. Faith is trust in God. We didn't get to talk about that. Um, we'll talk about this another time, but faith can be reinterpreted as the word trust. In scripture, they mean basically the same thing. God's faithfulness is the gift. And this steadiness in God's love, I believe is going to be the thing that God uses to restore and unite the world. That when we become the kind of people who Jesus, we're like in the way of Jesus and what God's spirit is doing in our lives is growing faithfulness. When we're able to commit to things 
that we don't really feel like committing to that are really important. Same thing with people. Same thing with, with, there's a lot of things that we're being called to be faithful with in this world that aren't going to be easy. But you don't have to try to be faithful. God will give you God's own faithfulness, the same faithfulness that God gives to you and to me. God will give to you to be faithful to the people around you that God has called you to love and to stick with no matter what. So I invite you to pray with me as we, um, as we close. God, I thank you so much for this gift of your love. I thank you so much for the gift of your faithfulness. I thank you so much for the gifts that you give us through your spirit that we don't have to do anything to produce in our lives. God, I ask that all of the people who are here, that this ministry of Revive, the people are listening online or on the podcast, would, be kind of, would become the kind of people that are so steady, that are so devoted, that are so supportive, that are so faithful to the people around us, that you would use us to, in your love, transform the world. God, I ask that every person who's hearing my voice right now would be filled with your spirit. God, help us to become more open to the ways that you show up in our lives. Not just the ways that we would love for you to show up, but also in the quiet everyday things, like in joy, like in peace, like in faithfulness, like in self-control. God, help us to be the kind of people who stick with things. Help us to be the kind of people who stick with people, the people that aren't easy to stick with. Give us the strength and the grace that we need to walk into our evenings, to walk into work tomorrow, to walk into our weekend, whatever things lie ahead of us. Show us where you want us to be faithful. Show us where you want us to be supportive. Show us where you're moving and where your spirit is appearing. We ask this from a place of humbleness, knowing that we're just clay pots that you get to grow things in and through. We thank you for that. We love you and we lift all this up to you in Jesus' name and all God's kids said, amen. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.